Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. I want to talk about the beginning again. Uh, you guys know the beginning, the whole Adam and Eve thing. I've been like really stewing on this great reality because I've begun to target and recognize more of, you know, and I don't like to capitalize and give the devil too much credit. But I think it's never necessarily a bad idea to know your enemy's tactics to whoop him in the butt. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these conspiracies with the World Cup right now. The teams have been out, like, scouting the other teams. And why would, why would you go scout the other teams? To know where they're weak, to know where they're strong, to know what they're, you know, to know their plan so you can foil it. Like, so it's not stupid to recognize the working and the movement of the enemy in our, in our lives and in the world around us and go, like, nope. I'm calling that out for what it is. So here's this crazy thing, way back history story, right? The devil used to be an angel, okay? He was essentially the worship leader of heaven, okay? And he was known as this brilliant angel and this whole thing. And something in him went to his head, and he decided that he could do it better than God, and his desire was to be like God, Okay, and he turned to this pride thing that just was like, well, I'm the best angel. I might as well just run the whole show. Okay, and so he gets this whole idea that like this desire to be like God that essentially didn't work out for him, if you might have figured that out by now. And he was cast from heaven. This is like deep, basic theology. Okay, like very basic angelology and demonology. I think that's actually words, but... um, but truly, like, and those angels that rebelled with Satan at that time were cast from heaven and are now the demons that we know of today that exist. I mean, some people are like, really? I don't know. Yes, they're real and they're moving and they're acting as much as the angels are of heaven. The demons are actively at work around us and in our lives. And as much as the Holy Spirit is at work and working to transform us, the devil is out to destroy us. It's just a great reality. But why is that? Why is the devil so ticked off at us. Does anybody know? This, this blew my mind. I heard this recently on a teaching and was like, no way. That's a new, like, you know, but then to hear it, it sounds different. So here's what happened is God created the heavens and the earth, but Satan was kind of like in that beginning portion there somewhere. He wasn't pre-creation, but he was one of God's creation. And somewhere in that mix, like, We assume that the garden existed and there was this, you know, all of the cosmos existed, though it wasn't in order. Because it says, like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. So he didn't just create, like, in the beginning, globe. Do you get this? It says he created the heavens and the earth in a moment. And the earth was formless and void and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. That's actually like Genesis 1, 1 and 2 and 3, I think, okay? And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. So all things were created at that point. Do you get this? God created the heavens and the earth. Done. Then from that point on, it never again says God created. It says God made. From what was created, God formed the, you know, he made the sun and the stars and he separated the light from the darkness and he separated the waters and the land and, the, and he made animals and fish and he this and that. It's like all was created in the beginning. So Satan was, was in this 
thing and, and observing this reality as God was moving and creating and doing all this kind of stuff. And what really got Satan's thing is because I think Satan watched all of creation, and I bet in his pride, he sat there and went, wow, God figured it out, and he's making all this just for me. Okay? Because all the animals were created before Adam and Eve, right? So we can assume the angels, the demons, all this existed somewhere in this, like, in the cosmos. They had no authority and no power because this was a sinless earth, okay, that God was creating in this thing. But there it was, this preexistence of the devil was there watching all this going like, well, how God finally decided to make it about me, you know. But then it comes to the sixth day of creation or, you know, that we know. And what does God say? Anybody know the line out of God's mouth? Anybody know? That was day two, or one, day one. Let there be light, yeah? Day six was the last day of creation. Seven, he rested, right? Day six, anybody know? So God said the words right here. Let us, interesting, he says us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the all-existing triune God, okay? The Trinity, which we won't go into all of that. Let us make... Ah, there it is, man in our own image. And guess what? God said it out loud. He had spoken all of creation into existence. And the devil's sitting there hearing all of this and watching all this. And what was the devil's greatest desire? What got him in trouble in heaven? To be like God. And then out of the cosmos, he hears the voice of God say, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And the devil goes, wait, what? That's, that was his desire. And this crazy place happened that God goes, no, let's make man in our image. Let's make man like us, in our likeness. And you can imagine the devil go, no, uh, no, 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 no. And then he watches God create, make Adam and Eve. And like Suddenly, there's this creature that actually carries the image and likeness of God, which angels do not. They are not made in the image of God. Demons are not in the image of God. There's a difference, and no other creature on planet Earth it holds that value or that place. And so he creates them in his image, right? Satan, obviously, we know he's in the garden, right? Because what does he do? He comes to Adam and Eve, well, specifically to Eve first. Some people are like, oh, yeah, he tempted Eve because she was the weaker one. I don't agree with that. I think he knew who had influence. Because who did Eve go tell? (laughs) Adam was like, okay. (laughs) You're gorgeous and naked. Okay. You know, like, just saying, right? I mean, hey, it's like, that's real, right? So Satan goes to Eve and he says, because what was the command of God, right? Eat from any tree in the garden except the one in the middle. And Eve's walking by that tree one day, which, first of all, was a bad idea. Anyway, just say, stay away from the edge. Okay? She walks by the tree in this, like, serpent. You know, hey, Eve, check out the fruit. And she's like, I know, it's gorgeous. Right? It's like, that had to have been a good-looking tree or it wouldn't have been worth her time. And he talks her into this. But what does he say? Because he goes, aren't you allowed to eat from all the trees? She goes, oh, all of them except that one. And he goes, oh, well, why is that? She said, well, God said we would surely die. He goes, You will not surely die. In fact, if you eat from this tree, God doesn't want you to eat from it because if you eat from it, you will be 
What are, what are the words that, that the devil says? You will be like him. Interesting, because guess what? They already were like him. Satan was trying to pull something on them in this place of like, guess what you don't have that you need to get by your own when in the reality was they already had the likeness and Satan was going, I know that if I can get them to do this, they're going to step back from the very thing that they've got that I want. It's a jealous rage that the devil is in in this place. He's like, I want to break their image, their likeness of God. I want to tatter that reality in their lives. And he says, just do it. And as we know, they ate it. And guess what? They fell down dead immediately. Wait, no, wait. So did you say in that the devil said the truth? Surely you will not die. They didn't die. The devil loves to use truth mixed with a lie to make us go, oh, yeah, you're probably in agreement. Because really the sin of Eve and Adam was not disobeying God, but agreeing with the devil. Do you get that? Like sin is typically not us just defying God because we're like God. We were created like God. Our natural, like, in wiring is of God, created and beautiful and perfect in every way. The downfall is to agree with the enemy when he tells you something false with a little bit of just enough twist in there. But what's really powerful to me, and I snapshotted this verse. I want to read this because this is where I want to go. I got to find the photo here quick. Oh, my gosh, I do not want to update my library. Okay. It says right here, so God uh, created Adam and Eve, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. wonder how they do that. Um, it's a joke. Okay. All right. Fill the <laughs> be fruitful in number. And okay, like the command of God, just saying he thought of it first. All right. Um, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground, including the serpent. Okay? This was God's command to his people. He said, look, you have been given dominion over the earth. This is my plan for you. You're in my likeness. I have dominion. You have dominion. Take dominion. Subdue the earth. Populate it. Fill it. With my glory, with my kingdom, that was the design of God for his people, was to rule over the earth. Actual authority, actually in charge, not be like, oh my gosh, but my cat runs my entire world. Like, sorry, cat people. Anyway, there's people that are like, oh, I got to run home. My cat needs food. Like, whatever. Let it find a mouse. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I digress. All right, back. Do you get this? You were given a commission by God to rule and command and be in authority in the earth. Satan knows that because he heard that command too. So what would be Satan's strategy if he knows that your job is to rule and reign over the earth? His strategy would be for the world, the earth, and your situations and your circumstances to rule over you. The opposite. Whatever God says, Satan goes, nope, other way around. God says, subdue the earth. 
Satan says, oh, man, you can't control anything and blah, 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 like evolution and survival of the fittest and blah, blah. Like the lies of the enemy will poke the face of every word that God has said and spoken over your life. Welcome to it. But here's where I want to go tonight because this is what I hear so many times. How many of you enjoyed the beach trip? Oh, my gosh. How many of you enjoyed um, encounter nights? How many of you enjoyed the fall retreat? Come on, right? There's something like, what do you love about it? God, Jesus, what do you love about it? Come on, talk to me. What do you love about these things that happen? What? Encounter of God. The presence of God. Does something feel different when you're on these events than your normal everyday life? Can I ask you that? Why? Because everything else is cut off. Because it's a change from your everyday, all the time, regular routine of life. I want to tell you that there is something significant on an airborne event. And not just, ooh, Airborne has got the best youth events on the whole planet. No, there are amazing youth ministries all over the country, all over the world that do amazing things and God's presence shows up. But why is it so tangible when we do these things? Some of you have told this because I have this conversation with like a lot of you every year, year after year. I have so many people come. I just don't know how to take what I felt and experienced on the retreat and translate that to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week. Anybody ever had that feeling in you? Come on, be honest. How do I make a retreat be a lifestyle? And my answer to you is the reason that our retreats and these encounter nights and these things that we set up and we do, we build them for tons of fun and we make great plans and little details and like, yeah, prophetic word and you get to take something home. Like all that's wonderful and sweet. But I tell you what, every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every time we gather to pray, we are declaring God's authority over the atmosphere of what we do here. And it changes the atmosphere because it's what we were created to do. We take authority over our environment. So it doesn't matter what retreat center we go to. We could go to a Satanist camp and you could have the same experience because we have declared that the presence of God will have precedence and priority in that place. That's why. So you look at it and you go, well, like, well, that stinks, you know. Like, what do I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? How do you translate this? I have an absolute answer for you. You command your atmosphere every single day. You take authority and stop letting the, the world run you and wipe you out every week and my circumstances and my parents and my friends and I'm under attack in this way. And when I get home, it's like, you don't know, Ben. My dad drinks a lot and comes home angry and slams doors and throws things. And how do I have an encounter like that? I say, command your atmosphere. What is your atmosphere? Generally, it exists right around here and right around here. Your heart and your mind. And what that does is filters into your soul. There's something about 
a retreat, a place, a location, or whatever, a night, even Wednesday night. Some of you I know come here on Wednesday nights because it's like oxygen to your life. And you're like, I just have to get there. I don't even really know why. I like the people there. That's nice and all that. But there's something more than that. Because if it was just about getting around people, you could go hang out at the mall. But you come here because you recognize that something is in the atmosphere that changes something. There's nothing magical about this building. However, there is something about people who have been given authority over this place and this property who have for 30 years, even before we had this property and the other property, have commanded the atmosphere and said, this will be a place where the presence of God is welcome and unhindered. Now, there's this crazy story in the Old Testament that I I think is totally nuts, and I don't have full revelation on all of it, but it depicts a big part of this. Anybody know about the Ark of the Covenant? Yes, it was that gold box that had two angels on top, and it was this thing. It was before Jesus. It was where the presence of God existed. Before he could come inside and live inside of us, it was this gold box, and God himself, the presence of God, would come and take up residence on this box. Okay, it was crazy, and it was like oh, cool stuff would happen and all this crazy stuff. Well, David goes and takes this box, and he's like, let's get this to the capital city because they captured the capital city from, I forget who was there, and they went to war, and they battled. It was all this crazy stuff. Let's take this gold box down to Jerusalem and establish the house of God once again, okay? Well, on the way there, they're driving this thing on a cart, and it hits a pothole, and it starts to fall over. Well, the command with the ark was that you couldn't touch it because man was sinful. And any contact of sinful man with a perfect holy God is absolute obliteration. That's why when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies where the ark was and the presence of God was, because he had to go in once a year and do all these rituals. And yeah, there's a lot of teaching behind why that even had to happen. But they literally would tie a rope to his ankle and bells on his ankle when he would go in because if he did something wrong in the presence of God, <laughs> drop dead. If the bells stopped ringing, <laughs> drag him out, new high priest. Literally. So the power of God was on this thing and the command was honor the presence of God. Understand that it is power, that it is authority, and that sinfulness cannot exist here. Well, this thing falls off the cart, and you'd think, like, the right person is obviously not going to let the presence of God fall in the dirt. So this one guy named uh, Uzzah, Uzzah, yeah, Uzzah, funny name, I know, sorry, what was his mother thinking? Anyway, hi, Uzzah, <laughs> anyway, want weird, right? He reaches out, and he grabs the thing, and he's like, no, dead. That's pretty crazy. It's like, oh, crap. You know, like, good-hearted good gesture, like, tried to save the presence of God from falling in the dirt. God said, don't touch it. Bummer. Literally, he's dead. No miracle that happens. He doesn't get raised from the dead. He's dead. And David freaks out and kind of goes like, whoa, that's legit. We don't wanna, we're not taking that to Jerusalem yet. I'm a little freaked out right now. So they find this guy's house along the road. Name was Obed-Edom. Another one. I don't know, Mom. What were you thinking? Obed-Edom. Cool. Anyway, seriously, he got made fun of so much in middle school. It was awful. Anyway, they, they come by this house, and, Je and David is like, I'm the king. We're going to leave this here at your house. And the guy's like, okay. 
You know, and David's like, we're just going to park it here, and I don't know what we're going to do. We'll figure this out. For three months, it sat at the house of Obed-Edom. And what does it say? Word began to travel across the countryside that everything about Obed-Edom's home and life and business prospered. Word travels all the way back to Jerusalem. David gets wind of it and goes back and goes, hey, we're going to go get that thing, and we're going to, like, bring it back to Jerusalem. So David gets wind of the fact that, wow, this is bringing blessing upon the house of Obed-Edom. I want that blessing on my house. What was the blessing attached to? I want to say, I want to completely believe it was an honor for the presence of God in his home. I guarantee you, Obed-Edom wasn't pulling out his laptop and looking at porn. Inviting prostitutes to his house. I'm pretty sure he didn't. You can fill in the list. There was something about his knowledge of the existence of God's presence that said, I will honor and I will hold myself. Now, this starts to sound like, wow, Ben, you're being super religious. Sometimes the enemy puts the religious term on something to shut down what's actually called holiness and righteousness and walk in like, oh my gosh, you think we should go to church every week? That just sounds so religious. Well, what if God actually wants you to be in church every week? It's not religious if God is actually asking you to be in community with people. I'm not saying be at Life Center every week and we're taking attendance and you're out. If you're not, like, stop. That's religion. But you can take the religious label and put it on things and be like, oh, well, that just, don't be religious with me. Don't judge me and don't tell me how I have to live my life. Like, that's just ridiculous. That's the enemy going like, oh, I'm going to just use religion to cover up things that, I don't want people to actually commit their lives to because it actually might bring blessing and favor in their life like Obed-Edom. I can guarantee you when he had the ark of God in his house, which was like unheard of, this has existed as like the holy thing forever, for generations, okay? It's suddenly in his house, I guarantee you, he set that house up and he's like, boom, we are not like, I'm not letting anybody in. I'm going like, I don't know how he handled it. It doesn't give us a lot of details, but something about the way that he honored the presence of God opened heaven over his atmosphere and over his life. And I want to like, there's, it's crazy to think what would that look like for our everyday lives if we understood, because I'm getting a little bit distracted trying to go through many ways do you understand that when jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross that big old curtain in the temple that that separated mankind from the ark of god because it was still there at the time of jesus it was in the holy of holies in jerusalem the minute jesus dies on the cross a curtain 35 feet tall which is like taller than our sanctuary ceiling up there 18 inches thick, layers upon layers upon layers of fabric that separated people from the presence of God was shredded from top to bottom. Just nobody touched it. That's crazy, right? And what, a, what happened right there is when Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, he brought us into a position to receive his Holy Spirit to actually live inside us because up to that point, sinful people, presence of God, dead. It was bad. At that point that Jesus died on the cross, he made us righteous. If you reverse back and like the whole thing, all authority in heaven on earth was God's. 
He gave it to man to subdue the earth. Man gave it back to the devil, said, no, like you, I agree with you. Boom. The devil had authority all the way up till Jesus' time. Do you get this? The devil actually had authority in the earth. How do we know? Because he took Jesus up onto the high place in the temple when he tempted him in the wilderness, took him up and said, all this is mine and I can give you authority over all of it if you will bow down to me right now. Satan says this to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't go, uh-uh. Jesus is like, well, I guess that's true. He rebukes him with scripture. But what happened on the cross is Jesus died, went to hell, took the keys. You've ever heard that expression? Took the keys from the enemy. The keys are the authority. And then what we see is after Jesus is resurrected, he's talking to his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I give it to you. The cross restored what creation had designed in the first place. So we don't live with some lame excuse like, oh, the world's just running me over and I got nothing. However, every time that we agree with the enemy, with, when we agree with the lies that he feeds into our lives, we give authority back in parts of our life and it actually can begin to start running you over. So it does. It breaks my heart to hear people say, oh my gosh, I come back from these retreats and stuff just isn't. And it's so many of you that feel this and have told me this. And I hear it like regularly from a lot of you is like, I just feel like I get back from these things and I feel like I'm going to change everything. Like my life is different and I've experienced God and I know. And then life just wipes me out. Why is that? I want to submit to you that that kind of authority over your atmosphere and command of your atmosphere is possible after the retreat. What does that look like? I know, I'm going to go like religious on you. What is the music you put in your ears every day? I'm, look at me. I'm not like, ooh, you have to listen to gospel music every day forever unless that's what you need to do. Do you hear me? If you are growing and thriving in your relationship with God and you're listening to some music that's like eh, a little bit out there and you are still like, frankly, if you're really growing and passionate with God, you hear that crap and it makes you sick to your stomach. I'm being honest with you. You hear stuff that dishonors God and you're like, what the heck? But I challenge you, if you look at your life and you're like, man, why doesn't anything change? Because you're not is probably why. What is the video game you give your life and attention to? What are the magazines that you read? What are the things you obsess about when you look in the mirror at yourself and you begin to just believe the lies of the enemy? Oh, well, why do you look like that? And oh my gosh, I wish God would have made me with that kind of eyes and that kind of nose. And why did I get this? And why does my hair do this? Or like, that's like the lies of the enemy because God made you in his image, in his likeness, and you start believing all this do you get what I'm saying? And you give authority to a completely different atmosphere and you wonder why our whole culture and world is being overridden by depression. I tell you what, like I'm not perfect in this area, but I am so growing in my ability to filter the atmosphere that I allow myself to be subjected to. I see the fruit of it. I absolutely see the fruit of going like, I don't need that. 
I literally today, I went to Community Aid where it really works. I was going this morning because it's like 50% off everything on Wednesdays. You got to go check it out. It's awesome. And I'm looking through the VHSs. You know, and I saw a couple of movies that I absolutely loved as a teenager. I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be awesome to watch. And then I was like, old, like, yeah, oh my gosh, right? Yeah, that's a question. Okay, old, we still have a VCR at our house so we can watch old school. I did pick up Home Alone on VHS because every, come on, right? But listen, I'm going through the thing and I'm seeing all these videos that I watched in like, Junior high, high school, and I was like, oh my gosh, that movie's so funny. And then it, like, all the scenes, I have not seen these movies since high school, and all these scenes start running right through my brain and going like, I'm like, nope, not watching that in my house, ever. Okay? I literally did this this morning, because I was like, you know what? No. Not for my kids, not for myself, not just like, oh, I'll watch this one after the kids go to bed. Like, that's stupid. If it's not good for your kids, it's not good for you. That's truth. What the heck? P, like ratings on movies? Oh, my. I don't. Well, whatever. Okay? It's like the older you get, the more sin you can tolerate. That's gospel truth. Like, how stupid is that? I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm 17. I could go to the R-rated movies without sneaking in. I could go subject myself. I'm so much more mature to handle more crap in my brain and in my heart. Do you hear me on this? I'm challenging you and calling you. I know so much Christian music sucks. Okay? I totally get it. You're like, Ben, if I gave up all my secular music, I know, like, I might have to just like never listen to music again because there's nothing on the Christian label that makes any sense to me at all. I get it. What is the content you're putting in yourself? I guarantee you, you'd be better off not listening at all than filling your mind and heart with garbage. I'm telling you the truth. I know you're like, Ben, that's so religious. That's so lame. Grow up and you'll figure it out like I have. I'm so serious. You guard your atmosphere and you guard what goes in and it will affect what comes out and what's given authority and dominion around you. I'm telling you. I know it sounds very religious. I'm not giving you a specific answer right now. I'm not saying these are the bands that I approve as a youth pastor. Only Audio Adrenaline and DC Talk and, you know, Reliant K. Like, they were the good ones of my day. I was, like, sold out big time to those. Anyway, hear me. Shh. Listen. But you know exactly what I'm saying, and I do believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit is working right now to help you define this. If you've come off a retreat or an event or any encounter with God, maybe you've never been on an airborne retreat and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. If you've ever experienced an environment that felt like peace, that felt like you belonged, that felt like it was real, that felt like, wow, I could stay here forever, and you're not experiencing that now, what needs to change in the environment that you're in control of? No, you cannot control what your parents do when they come home drunk. You cannot control what this situation happens and how this and the divorce and all of this, but what rules your mind, your heart, when you're in control? That's class one of teenage world. Every one of you are in a desperate pursuit to be in control of your life. Am I right? My parents have got to get off my back. I want to be in charge. I want to make my decisions. And what we end up doing is we go to the most rebellious freedom 
that we can find. My parents don't want me to listen to this. Guess what I'm listening to every day when they're not around? My parents don't want me to watch this show. I remember I was not allowed to watch He-Man when I was a kid. Guess what I did every time it was on and my parents weren't home? I'm being independent. You don't know what He-Man is because y'all too young. Seriously. Okay. Listen. It was pretty trashy. Beavis and Butthead was the other one, man. Oh, when I was in high school, junior high, it was like so trashy. Like awful. Some of you are like, that's the best. Watch your heart. I'm serious. Look at me. Look at me. I can go back to my high school years and I can recount the atmosphere that I was creating around my life. And I can look at how it fleshed out in my circumstances and in my way of feeling and my way of thinking. And I literally now live in a different cloud level of my life because I've chosen to command my atmosphere in a way that guards my heart and my mind. It's a command of the Bible. If you're interested in the God thing, this should matter to you. I'm serious. If you're just like, I don't care about the God thing, then this isn't a message for you. But if you are interested in your life not sucking anymore, hear me out. I'm serious. If you're just like, I'm done being depressed. I am done feeling ugly. I am done struggling with this. I am done because I feel like a slave. You're probably taking freedoms that are destroying you rather than guarding and protecting. I literally, like, hard stuff still comes. Like I said, I'm growing in this, you guys. I am growing in this, and I'm old. Gray hair everywhere, okay? But I tell you what, you know what that feels like if you've been on an airborne retreat. Josh and I and all these staff, we stand in that furnace. And if you ever come on Tuesday mornings at 7, it's really awesome. You should come. That'll help you change your atmosphere and your environment. I'm telling you, if you can't do it by yourself, find people to help you. Seriously, if you're like, oh, Ben, I tried that. And I could only pray for like 30 seconds before all I wanted to do was go play Call of Duty and shoot somebody in the head. Oh, I know. I just hit a button on a few people, right? Seriously, I can't do it, Ben. It's like, no, like, tell your parents, mom, dad, I have to get a ride on, at 7 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday mornings to the church so I can pray with people. If, it's not, if it doesn't matter to you, that's fine. Whatever. I hope it will at some point. And I'm not saying prayer together at 7 a.m. is the answer to all, but if you're alone and you feel like you're barely surviving, surround yourself with people that want what you want. I'm so serious. Does this click with anybody? You have control of your environment. Josh, you can roll up this direction if you're going to add to this. Or are you just raising your hand? He said it was clicking. Okay. If you're going to add something, you should probably roll up here and push me out of the way. Okay. Do you get where I'm going, guys? This sounds religious. If it sounds religious, rebuke the spirit of religion and say, what does my heart really want? End it right there. Forget what Ben is saying. And say, okay, what do I want next year to look like? Do I want to be struggling with the same thing I am right now? Are you locked in pornography? Are you locked in violent video games and music you know is so bad? I hear so many people go like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to stop listening to that stuff. How hard? Back in my day, we'd have like, it was super religious but kind of powerful CD burning parties at church camp. 
We'd all bring our secular CDs and throw them in a campfire, you know. Like, I remember Alanis Morissette, boom, in the fire. I, I did that. Anyway, look, take it for what it's worth. You can write it off and be like, that's stupid religion. But if your life still looks like it looks like a year from now, you haven't commanded your atmosphere. You can write me off right now, but a year from now, I may preach this exact same message and just see where you're at. And I hope you remember. Yeah? You have been created to take dominion over your environment. That's what you were meant for. And the devil said, no, 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 no. Let your environment run you over. And then you can live in depression and you can cut your wrists every week and you can throw up after every meal and it'll make you feel so much better. Really? We'll medicate the crap out of you so you can like just, you know, like come on. Like grab the environment around you and find out what it is. Anything that's unlike God and just say, out. I want nothing to do with it. What if Eve would have rebuked the devil and said, you're stupid. I was created in the image of God and I already am like him and you're jealous. She could have commanded her environment right in that moment and changed a lot of things. I still think I would have probably eaten the fruit if I had the opportunity. If no one had done it for 6,000 years, I probably, Ben would have been like, that's so good. I'm trying. Like, I'm a real person, people. Like, temptation is real. But you grow in your authority when you take it. So take little steps and go, okay, don't need to watch that. Don't need to play that. Don't need that subscription to that magazine anymore. Do any of you get magazines anymore at all? I'm not knocking it, but some people actually get magazines anymore. Online subscriptions. What are you reading? What's your Instagram look like? Come on. Look at me. For most of you, I can do a whole lot of assessment on why you're depressed based on seeing who you follow on Instagram. Real. Who do you follow? What do they say? What kind of stuff are they posting? What do they look like? What are they doing? Like, what are they capitalizing with their life? I can say, oh, that's why you're depressed. I can honestly assess that it's not that hard. I know I'm old and brilliant. I don't know. Like, it's really straightforward, and all of you can do the same thing. Look through the people that you follow and the things that you follow and go like, ah, that might be why I feel like this. It's not community to just be miserable together. Do you understand that? It's not community. It's called like, oh, you feel awful and I feel awful. Let's hang out and feel awful together. Like the last time I preached, I talked about this. If you feel awful, find a happy person and go, let's hang out. I need your help. Seriously. I won't go back into that again. But do you hear this? Do you hear me? You can command your atmosphere. And if you want an encounter with God every morning, noon, and night, it's yours for the having. Because where is the Ark of the Covenant now? It's inside you. And when the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's house for three months, everything he did prospered. Doesn't mean it was just money rolling in and everything, but everything prospered, whatever that meant. His fields prospered and all these things. Like everything just went well so much that the king in Jerusalem heard news and was like, dude, we're getting that box back here. That is not an Old Testament reality. That's a New Testament reality that lives inside you if you will honor the presence of God that's in your heart. If you've given your life to him, that's up to you. You with me? Stand up. Josh, do you want to add or no? We're good? Okay. It's late. I know your butts are all sore. Oh, Jesus, come on. 
You know we love you guys like you wouldn't believe all of you, every single one of you. I challenge you all to some really fun thing here. Get this. Get this. We're going to Guatemala on Friday night with a bunch of people here. And look, guys, if you're standing here going, dang, I wish I was going, I'd love you to try something with us because we're doing something totally nuts for this trip. We completely restricted cell phones for the entire 11 days. <laughs> and oh my gosh, will we command our environment in a new powerful way with 52 people to hang out and talk with. Oh my gosh, it's like face to face. Look at, no seriously, if you're not part of the Guatemala team, I invite you to join in a reality that says like, look, I'm going to command my environment in a different way this month, this week, whatever. I'll call you to a phone fast. What in the world? That'd be insane, right? Look, if you got to text somebody to arrange getting together and hang out, brilliant. Do it. But could you lay down the parts of your social media and gaming and all this kind of crap that just captivates your life and keeps you from people? Please? I want to invite everybody into that. So we do this together. It's like, you know, we're forcing it on the Guatemala team simply because it's, it's great. It's going to be powerful. I'm so excited about it. And I know all of you are, too, that are going. You're like, <laughs> I told the team on Sunday, I said, literally, you can tell all your friends on Snapchat, I'm going to cell phone rehab for 11 days. I'll be back. Okay? It might be just like that, like withdrawals, a lot of people shaking on the airplane, like three hours. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Okay? I don't know. But it's going to be beautiful, and I'm really excited about it. So here, put your hands in the air, guys. Look around you right now in this room, and I want you to see community. I want you to see people that, I think the only reason you're here is that some part of this God thing has your heart, and you want a change. You want to see a different reality happen. The ball's in your court. God is so faithful to show up, but his presence needs to be honored in your everyday life, and you have to understand that his presence doesn't move into your heart when you walk into Life Center. I know your arms are already tired. Go halfway. All right, halfway. Yes, deodorant safe. Okay, here we go. Listen, you want to see these things transform in your life. Honor the presence of God that is in you. You were created to take dominion over the earth, not the other way around. So your circumstances do not control you. You control the atmosphere that you live in every day. And when you do that and you make it unto the Lord and say, this isn't for religion's sake, this is for relationship's sake. I'm serious. If your best friend was deathly allergic to cats and you had 80 cats, would you consider getting rid of them so you could have a best friend? Cat people are like, no. I'm just, don't you dare. Well, look, listen, listen. Shh. Look. If that's where your priority is, it will cost you a friendship. Like, do you get how this works? Your atmosphere is at your control. You're to take dominion over, you know, it could be dogs, it could be anything. Like, if you had to lay something down for the sake of relationship, real relationship, would you do it? And I'm not talking about values. I'm talking about preferences. Not values. You don't lay down your values to make friendships. That's ridiculous. You don't lay down values to get married. Like, oh yeah, you can lay down your personal preferences. I like mountain biking and she doesn't. 
We could still get married. I love God and she doesn't. Nuh-uh. Do you see the difference between a value and a hobby or a preference? There's a reality there, but you could lay down some preferences and say, God, I want you. I want relationship. If you're my value, Xbox maybe can't be. Maybe. Do you hear this? Yes, with me? So put your hands up. We're going to pray. God, thank you for what your spirit's doing in this place. I know I sound like a real mean, mad old guy right now, but God, I pray that the wisdom of your spirit would fall upon every heart and mind in this place, God, that there'd be a logical, practical, spiritual truth and revelation that would fall upon hearts that want you tonight, God that they truly would see their environments shift and change as they decide to take dominion and power and authority over the things around them, God. I thank you that you've given that authority, and it isn't something that we can't do. It's not something we're incapable of. You, the God of the universe who created us, put the control and and the authority in our hands to say, nope, that's not for my heart. That's not for my mind. That's not for my eyes. Jesus, thank you. So Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd convict in the most holy, awesome way that it would draw hearts to relationship. Your word says it is your kindness that calls us to repentance. It's not your mean mongering. It's not your heavy rules. It's not any of that. It's your kindness that makes us want to go, I want to love that God. I want to be like that God. I want to claim my identity and who he is. And that makes me who I am. So, Jesus, thank you for what you're doing tonight. We pray you'd continue to work and bless this entire young, amazing generation, God, for what's about to shift in all of their culture, God, as a generation rises up and says, this isn't normal. God is normal. Peace is normal. Thank you, God. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.